Today's episode of A Little Juju Podcast is sponsored by Hoodoo Hussy. Hoodoo Hussy Conjure Enterprises provides spiritual care using plant medicine and African-American traditional religious practices. Owner and CEO, Hoodoo Hussy makes all of her offerings herself, and many of them using plants from her urban garden. She sells an array of spiritual products such as conditioned oils, cleansing water, incense, spiritual bath, and floor wash. To learn more, please visit her website at www.hoodoohussy.com and you can use the free code free ship ALJ for free shipping on your order over $50. That's hoodoohussy h o o d o o h u s s y.com. And don't forget to go follow Hoodoo Hussy on IG at h o o d o o hussy. Now, let's get into the show. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. A little juju. A little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Can't firm no say. And I'll never get play. I'll take your photo to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my bed to make them stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves, but I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I'm my ancestors, baby. So I give them everything that they gave me, yeah. So I can't be stopped. Manifested everything, gives me props. I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top. My spirit's surrounded, so I'll never drop, drop. Hello, welcome to a little juju podcast. This is the podcast all about black as spirituality, honoring our ancestors and decolonizing our spiritual traditions. One episode at a time. I am your host Juju Bay. I am a medium, a conjurer, hoodoo practitioner. I am an aborisha. I am a bad bitch witch, you know, all the things. And I'm coming to you live from the bed. Coming to you live from the bed. That's why I got my bedroom voice on because that's just the vibe. Like, I just, this is the vibe, bedroom vibes. I don't know if y'all can hear, but it's rainy outside. We're in the middle of hurricane season. So uh, we are getting, first of all, I'm sending love to everyone who experienced Hurricane Zeta. Um including myself i experienced my first hurricane through zeta well my first real hurricane so sending some love and power to everyone who was affected by that because people um people really were and the things were affected so yeah uh, maryland is just getting some of the residue of that we just had a few a little bit of rain here but um i experienced a hurricane in mexico so very blessed to have been okay um but yeah, so anyway, I'm saying all that to say, that's why I'm in the bed. That's the vibes. I'm not feeling, I don't feel sick. It's just like, I don't know, I'm just feeling groggy. But I needed to record, so here we are. Um, I hope y'all are well. I have hella updates, kind of, but um, I don't even know if this intro is like where to talk about all of those things. <laughs> I feel like I need to start a vlog or something. 
because I, I went to Mexico. Yes, I flew to Mexico during a pandemic. <sighs> and during hurricane season, it just so happened. But, you know, divination told me it was going to happen and that I should go. So that is why I felt comfortable. But I also got flued out. Of course, I would get flued out during a pandemic, <laughs> during hurricane season. <laughs> but I had a great time. Um, I really did. I had a great time and I had a good flute out experience. <laughs> That's why I need a vlog. I'm like, I can't even go into the full story, but I will say one of the highlights of the trip was learning about Mayan spiritual traditions, um, and just indigenous religions of Mexican people. And there were a lot of similarities. There were a lot of differences, but there were just a lot of similarities in the ways that they cared for the dead in an indigenous sense, like burying your loved ones when they die. They would be buried at your home. They would be buried, you know, on the land. And that's something that happened. It probably still happens um, on the continent. I know it did happen in Nigeria and probably other places as well. Like your altar was really your you know your front door your front steps also i learned about just the importance of planetary movement stars with the mayans like they were hella accurate as astronomers they paid a lot of attention to venus specifically um, and all of the planets were seen as gods you know and deities themselves and how they you know they kind of coincided their actions with you know, the moon, the moon phases, where the sun was, where Venus was. I think the moon and the sun, it is said that that kind of created the earth. Um, and earth is sort of like this place that sits in the middle and everything kind of revolves around. I wouldn't say everything revolves around the earth, but like earth is kind of the central space where humans are. And then there's the heavens where the planets are. And then there's the underworld, which was different because there is a there is a, a underworld concept in my intro tradition. It was just really, really interesting. The similarities and the dissimilarities and, you know, the sacrifices. And oh, one of the big things with sacrifices was it was an honor. They do human sacrifices. Well, they did. I, I, I don't know. Maybe some cultures could still do that in Mayan cultures but at least they used to do sacrifices or they used to have games that they would play and the winner would get to be sacrificed and you know of course when we hear that it's like so the winner dies but basically you're dying in honor and you're dying to be able to meet the gods you know and to be quote I guess what we could think of in heaven so there was a lot of human sacrifice um, but it was a positive thing um, and it was a one of the most honorable and biggest blessings that one could achieve. So yeah, so good, so good. Like, um, I'm, I kind of want to do a little bit more study and comparing and contrasting and just thinking through it because it was just some really powerful energy in Mexico. And I met a shaman. I had a little reading. I don't know how I felt about it, though. I don't know how I felt about my reading. But I did get a little deity. They also use obsidian, the crystal obsidian. That is like their their, their shit. Like in Tulum, in the Mayan areas, they, everything was like obsidian. Like real obsidian. There was protection. 
It was for groundedness. It was like, it is like, that is a praised uh, crystal or stone obsidian. So I got a couple obsidian deities or whatever. We're going to see how I'm going to work with them. But yeah, it was all good. It was so cool. So, um, you know, maybe I'll talk about that separately some other time. Speaking of the dead and traditions and everything, Hoodoo Heritage Month is over, but... Um, we are stepping into November when I'm recording this tomorrow is, um, tomorrow will be November 2nd and that is All Souls Day and All Souls Day is a day that we celebrate in Hoodoo and other, um, Christian religions study All Souls Day, specifically Catholics. So I know, I knew this as a Catholic holiday, um, but it is a day that other Christian groups who do commemorate the dead uplift the dead. And so within hoodoo tradition, we see November 2nd sort of as a day that we can commemorate our dead. But yeah, it's, it's just a day to, to honor the, the departed, you know, kind of like Dia de los Muertos in Mexican culture. Um, this is the day that we would build altars that we could clean cemeteries that we can give offerings in abundance so i know when you all listen to this all souls day will be over but um yeah it's a day of remembrance for the spirits who have who have passed on and we can always honor the dead anyway regardless if you didn't know you can still do something but yeah i did want to say that just because i'm recording the day before all souls day um i feel like lastly i should just mention and just say thank you to everybody who prays for me and who sends me good energy, you know, it. I really need it. And I appreciate the energy that you all send. And I know that people are praying for me because one, they tell me, but two, I feel it. And, you know, back to my Mexico trip, I was caught in a hurricane and the eye of the hurricane was actually over where I was staying in Mexico. And it was one of the scariest, but also like invigorating and powerful experiences I've ever been a part of. Um, I... The, the window in my hotel room, it was a very large, like, it was a large screen door because it was overlooking the waters. It was so beautiful, so gorgeous, but it completely exploded and the glass shattered all across the room. Um, I wasn't in the bed at the time, thank God, but like, I just keep thinking about if I was, how I would have ate glass. I would have ate glass for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because it was a whole wall of glass that shattered. Um had shards everywhere all in my suitcase it was a had to evacuate it was it was it was wild it was wild I don't know how people handle hurricanes like that like trees falling like the things were destroyed in Mexico um including where I stayed so just thank y'all for praying for sister Thank you to my spirits. Thank you to the spirit of the wind for taking care of me. The spirits of the waters. I feel so blessed and and favored, child. So I appreciate y'all. And yeah, Mexico was a time. But that's what happens when you travel during Mercury retrograde in the midst of a pandemic. That's what you get. That's what you get when you let your heart win. All right. So um, 
let's get into our donations next. And then I'm so excited to offer you all this episode today with Erica Bridgeford, who is like a Baltimore legend to me. I mean, not even just to me. Erica's a Baltimore legend. So I'm I'm really excited to put y'all on to one of Baltimore's finest who is doing really, really powerful healing work in this city. So yes, let's get into our donations and then our interview. All you need is a little juju. A little juju podcast is written hosted and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love, but it is labor nonetheless because podcasting ain't free. It takes time, energy, resources, money so that I can pay people to help me. Finally, I have a little bit more resources to do that. And I'm able to do that because people donate. Um, It is a few ways to donate to the show. All of them are important. I will start with the monetary ways and then we'll get into the non-monetary ways to support this work. So the first monetary way that I'll mention is through Patreon, which is a site that allows you to contribute to the show monthly. So on the first of the month, Patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate, which will range from one dollar to as many dollars as you want. I have some suggestions on my Patreon and based on the level that you donate is the level of content or things that you'll receive from me via Patreon which includes exclusive deals, videos, sometimes I do readings, sometimes I do workings for specific patrons. It just depends. I don't know if I can hear the rain in the background but it is just so nice. But anyway let me shout out my lovely lovely Patron. So shout out to Renderly. Shout out to Rakaya Al Sai. Shout out to Sinclair. Thank you for becoming a patron, Sinclair. Uh, thank you to Tammy Harris, Kina Roberts, Nicole Archie, Grace, D Star, Tino Bengal, Demetria Sadler, Lauren Rivera, Desiree Briggs. Shout out to Kendra Lewis for upping your pledge. Shout out to Alvy Diggs for upping your pledge. Uh, shout out to Kemba Brown, Naja Love, Kia Bodia. <laughs> hey, Kia Bodia. Shout out to Katrina for um, changing your pledge but still remaining a patron. Shout out to Kaya Donald, Nicole Savage. Hey, boo. Shout out to Melanie Black Shear. And shout out to Karina Everett. And that is all my patrons for this week. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I speak the spirit of abundance and prosperity over you as you have shared it with me. And as you share the spirit of abundance with me, I'm sharing the energy back with you tenfold. May all of your dreams come true. May the resources and finances that you need to be able to bring about whatever gifts that you're going to bring into the world, may you have them and may they come swiftly. So ashe, 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 yo. And so it is. Receive your blessings, child, as I receive mine. So I appreciate you all so much. And let me also say, I recognize we are in the middle of a global pandemic. We are in the middle of job instability uh, for a lot of people. And so the fact that people still want to and continue to support my work in the podcast and just in general through Patreon and also through Cash App and whatever other ways that you all do that, um, I really don't take that lightly. Like, 
thank you for choosing me to be a part of what you have, you know, what you might be budgeting for amidst everything. Like it's, it's very meaningful. So thank you. And I promise it is all going towards, um, our education, other organizations doing powerful work, spiritual and otherwise, and uplifting the community in whatever ways and supporting people who may need some funds for things. So love you all so much. Thank you. And of course, big shout out to those of you who hit me up on the cash app for a more non-committal way to donate to the show at dollar sign I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E or on my PayPal at the Jujubay, T-H-E-J-U-J-U-B-A-E at gmail.com. Big shout outs to those of you who have donated in that way. I say a little prayer for you each time. So thank you. And if you are interested in the non-monetary ways to donate to the show, which are just as important, shout me out. Tag ALJ Pod, tag Jujubay on social media, put people onto the show, tell them what this podcast is and what it's about. Comment, subscribe so that I pop up when a new episode comes out so you already are hip and you know. Just let people know about the show. You can rate five stars on Apple or whatever platform that you are using and just help me spread the good juju gospel. I appreciate everyone who always tags and tells me they're listening and puts people onto the show. I deeply, deeply appreciate that as well. All that information will be in the show notes. So now let's get back into the show. All you need is a little juju. So I'm so excited to share this interview with Erica Bridgeford with you all who is Baltimore's West Baltimore's finest okay um I was gonna read her bio but honestly I, I mean it doesn't even encapsulate her full energy um knowing her being in space with her and watching her work she has done so much positive work in the city around getting the death penalty repealed. Um, she supported so many survivors um, of homicide victims. She birthed Baltimore Ceasefire, which we'll get into. She does a lot of spiritual work in the city to welcome those who have been murdered into the spiritual realm and bless the space that they were murdered and cleanse it. Like she holds and does a lot. She does mediation for free for it. Like um, they do free mediations in the city. Like people can come and request someone to come help mediate issues from like neighbor issues to like shit that's illegal. Like <laughs> she does all of that in support of her people. She's just somebody who you know is down and loves her people, and you can see that from her works. Child Erica got a a, a Wikipedia page, so she you know she popping. She got a TED talk. You know she's just everywhere doing everything, and has truly blessed me just because of her commitment to serving. Um, so I. Yeah, we we just gonna have to get into this this interview. Um, shout out to Erica again. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for everything that you do for us. Um, it it's it's like I don't have words. I don't have words. She's a powerful being. So y'all sit back and relax, and let's get into this interview with Erica. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Little Juju Podcast. Hopefully, if you are listening to the audio version, you head on over to JujuTube or YouTube, where you can check out me interviewing the lovely Erica Richford. I'm so excited and happy that she's here today. I have been looking <laughs> forward to this. I feel like I manifested this. Yes. So I'm just very, very happy that we get to talk to each other. So hi, Erica. Hi. It's so good that you're here. Um, and I appreciate you so much for your work. I found out about you and your name actually when I was living in Chicago because I just moved back to Baltimore. And my mom, I, you know, my mom, I do my spiritual work and everything. She's like, when you move back, you need to connect with this woman named Erica. And I was like, okay. Wow. And she was like, no, she does this thing, it's ceasefire. And if I'm being honest, I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm like, like- all right, mom. Okay. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Why, okay. why would I do that? <laughs> so, so then um, I was talking to, I made a new friend named Kondwani. And so I'm telling him about my work. Right. He's like, yo, you need to connect with Erica, yo. And I'm like, Erica, Erica. He's like, see, I'm like, okay, my mother was just telling me about her. That's crazy. So clearly this is somebody that I need to know and connect with, but I didn't know how that would even happen. And then I guess fortunately and unfortunately, tragedy kind of brought us together because of yep. the space ritual and Edwin being killed. And I met you there as we're like welcoming him into the spirit realm and cleansing the space right. as you do. And from that point on, I just it's just you interview me surprisingly. Yeah. I interview yep. you. So I'm yeah. just so grateful um, that the events transpired as they did because uh, it happened yeah. for a reason. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Like, how do you identify yourself in any way? Any form? How are Girl, you? That is a really good question because I don't really identify myself. People identify me all the time mm-hmm. themselves, you know? So often when people are like, well, tell me your story. I'm like, well, which story do you want to hear? Because there's a lot of them. And all of them make up who I, you know, crystallize as in this moment, you know. Um, And so I am a mother. I have three birth children, some stepchildren. One of my stepsons gave me three grandbabies. So he's actually my favorite child of everybody (laughs) at this point. Um, Because being a grandmother is like way better than being a mother. But people don't tell you that. Um. You know, I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. Um, I am the executive director at Baltimore Community Mediation Center. I am co-founder of Baltimore Ceasefire 365, which has like catapulted me into a leadership role of a movement, which is not at all what I thought was about to happen. And as a matter of fact, For like at least two or three years prior, I had been adamant about, no, I'm not going to lead a movement. Mm. (laughs) And so, you know, the ceasefire movement became something way bigger than I don't I don't think there's any way we could have known all the things that it would become. And so it because it's something that I birthed, somebody else planted the seed. It was um, Ogun's idea. He wanted to have one day where everybody in the city knew that there was a ceasefire. And then my part of the idea was that, well, let's make it three days and let's have people also celebrating life the whole time. 
-hmm. you know, so we brought those ideas together and then brought them to community and the community named it Baltimore Ceasefire and the Baltimore Peace Challenge so that people who think that, well, I wasn't planning on killing anybody. Y'all must not be talking to me. You know, that is not just about not killing, but it really is about all of us being intentional and purposeful, harnessing our collective energy and collective consciousness to be peaceful together on purpose for three days straight and to be celebrating life for three days straight. Um, and it started as one weekend and became a lot more. And so because I birthed it, it means that I became a lot more than what I ever mm. thought I even had in me. There's no way I don't think that I could have known I would have become this person that people is crazy because people are like, sometimes people are really happy to meet me. Like if they just run into me on the street, they're like, oh my God, keep doing what you're doing. You know, like, and that keeps me going. It puts a battery in my back, but it's also very bizarre when people meet me and they're like, damn, I really hoped I would never have to meet you. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times if you meet me, it's because somebody you love has gotten killed. And yes, I'm there to give love and support. And people are very appreciative of that. So even in that painful space, they're grateful for what we're there to do with them and for them. But like, I'm not people's favorite person to meet in that situation, you know? So it's like, I'm this angel of joy and death all at the same time. And you know, that God didn't tell me that part at first, you know, like when I had that rumbling in my gut, like, damn it, we got to call a ceasefire. Like I knew it was going to be a lot of work, you know, just to throw that one weekend in August. Right. I was just already like, that's going to be a lot of work because I'm an organizer and I understand when you're trying to get over 600,000 people on the same page about something, that's not an easy task that you're taking on. And it's not something you're going to fully accomplish your first time around. So I knew, you know, we knew we weren't going to do it just that one weekend, but at first we didn't know how often we were going to do it. And so, you know, as this evolved, that is, you know, I just, so I, I think it's probably a blessing that a lot of times we have no knowledge of what we're actually signing up for. Cause I'm telling you, I would have been like, oh yeah, never mind. I'm not saying that shit out loud, <laughs> you know, and then end up having to do all this other stuff. Like, right. yeah, I wouldn't, have, I, I know I wouldn't have taken it on. Right. Um, so I have listeners from all over the world. And so just for y'all, cause I feel like everybody in Baltimore know who Erica is in my opinion. <laughs> But it's it's basically a time and uh, weekends that are dedicated to people not killing anybody. That's right. Like it, it, period. That's simply yeah. what it is. Um, and, yeah. and Erica is one of the people who, like, as you said, was the person who birthed that um, idea yeah. or this concept in the way that it has grown and developed now. And to be honest, you know, when my mother was telling me about it before I came back, I was kind of like, so just because we say we're not going to kill anybody, people not going to die. Like, I really did not understand. I I didn't. And it took me in listening to other interviews, reading and understanding that it was about the intention of 
we're going to say that it matters that people don't die these weekends. That's like, right. That's it. It starts there. It just starts there. Yep. And it's just and, like, and so I have become one of my friends, Ellen G, who's one of the organizers of the movement as well. There are six of us. We call ourselves the squad because I was not going to do all of this by myself. Ogun told me from the very beginning he was not going to be interviewed. He was not going to give speeches. He was like, good luck when it becomes a big thing because everybody going to call you. And I was like, it's not going to be a big thing till like five years from now. So I didn't know what I was talking about. Just anyway, I didn't know what I was talking about. But she says that I'm a master manifester. And it is really true. It's something that I accept now in my life that from the moment I say something and then it manifests, that amount of time is quickening, is getting shorter and shorter in my own personal life. Mm -hmm. So I believe in it's not even just a belief. I know how to manifest things. And I understand that things get created on one level when we just think them. And they manifest on a different level when we add words to those thoughts and it manifests something totally different when we think it, say it and do things about it. And so all we're doing is manifesting in Baltimore Mm. what we know Baltimore deserves. We're not just thinking, wow, people should stop dying in our city. Too many people die in our city. We're not just thinking that. We're saying out loud to one another. Tell three people every single day, which means you're going to run out of people that you know. Because now you're going to have to start talking to strangers, right? If you're telling three new people every day, hey, do you know about when the next Baltimore ceasefire weekend is? Are you prepared to celebrate life? Can you be peaceful on purpose for three days? Mm -hmm. Like just that conversation, if everybody's having that conversation. It shifts energies. It's just energy. And if everybody is saying, or a lot of people are saying, I do want to celebrate life. I am going to plan a life-affirming event. I'm going to send my event to them and put it on the calendar so everybody in the city can come. Mm-hmm. That's why we have over 30 events. It's, there's always 30 to over 50 events that happen every single ceasefire weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beautiful thing about it is that has not really slowed down even during the pandemic. People were like, all right, we're going to get creative and do virtual kinds of events or so socially distanced events. Mm-hmm. And so it really is about us making a decision that Since we know if we do nothing, people will die and more people will die if we do nothing. Yes. At least we can do something because doing something tells us just the simple math of it. Doing something tells us less people are going to get killed than would have had we done nothing. Right. Right. And that's the number people can never tell you. People love to tell us how many people get killed in the city. But is good work really working if this many people still get killed? First of all, we are the wrong people to give the number to. We know the number. We go to every single murder space. You don't have to tell me the number. The number you can't tell me is how many lives are saved because of how much good work is being done in the city. How many lives are blessed. Right. Because of how much good work is being done in this city. Until people can tell me that number, I don't want to hear nothing else about is the work really working because of this number of people that are being killed. You got to give me a balance of both numbers because I live the one number that you you have that you're doing nothing about. I live I live that number. Right. I engage with every soul in that number. Yes. Yes. Right. 
Tell me about how many lives are saved and blessed. When we got both of those numbers, we can have a clearer picture of what's actually happening in Baltimore. Right, right. And not even just lives, spirits that actually end up being blessed. Come on. That people also aren't talking about the word. Come on. I'm going to get into that. But I want to know how you got to, you know, understanding yourself as a manifester and being born and raised in Baltimore how do you get to where you are now and understanding the power of the intention in a city that can so often bring us a lot of life, but also drain us um, in, in a lot of that's, ways? That's really good. So for me, so first of all, people just cannot talk shit about Baltimore in my presence. Like it's Same. just, you just can't do it. It's not acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. because if you love me, everything that you love about me, anything you praise about me, anything you think is great, strong, resilient, whatever you see in me that you think is the shit, you have to acknowledge you are looking at Baltimore. Yes. I've never lived anywhere else, mm-hmm. right? No, no other city has taught me about my worth and my, uh, you know, what I can accomplish and any of that. It's all been Baltimore. My grit, my determination, my can't fuck with me-ness, all of that is Baltimore, right? And I don't know if I would have turned out to be the same kind of person had I been raised in another city. Now, being Black in America, I understand in my DNA comes resilience, right? Just because right. we should be extinct by now, given everything that has and continues to happen to us systemically, right? So I get, like, as a Black woman, it's in my DNA to rise, period, right? But there's something about Baltimore that puts a Baltimore thing in you, you know? So that's one thing, is I, somebody has to hold in their heart Baltimore's worth, all the time, no matter how bad it looks, somebody has to hold the light and walk with it like they really mean it and understand it and shine it out every chance they get. And I take that responsibility very seriously as being one of the people in this city who do that. Yes. And I look around me and I'm not the only one who does that. Like if I, if it was only me, I probably would have quit two years ago. Right. But everywhere you look in this city, there are people doing good work and holding the light of Baltimore in their heart, you know. And so I would and I was born. So my parents, my dad was um, 17 and my mom was 15 when they had a conversation. Right. So, again, speaking, thinking, speaking and doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) is how I literally got created. My parents had a conversation as teenagers. In 1971 or two, because I was born in 72, Mm. they decided they were going to have a son who was going to change the world. Mm. So when they laid down to conceive me, that was the intention in their sex. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So when I'm born a girl with one hand, and that meant that like my, my birth story even 
So evidently having a dead limb on your body is the most painful thing a human body can experience. I was born with a dead limb on my body. So I had a right arm and hand, but it was dead. So they had to amputate it at birth. But at whatever point that I arrived in the birth canal where I could, where there was enough oxygen for me to feel that there was a dead limb, I began to scream. So my mother says I was screaming in the womb. People in the room could hear me screaming inside of her before she pushed me out. And then as she pushed me out, so it was like a muffled scream turned into a very loud audible scream. I came into this world writhing in pain. You know what I mean? Looking broken. I didn't eat for 12 hours. They didn't understand. They thought I was going to die. I had all kinds of stuff wrong with me. Baltimore is that same way. Baltimore looks broken. Baltimore is just constantly in this kind of pain where we're screaming. Sometimes it's muffled. Sometimes it's real loud and audible. But just like I look broken to people. And people perceive me as a thing too petty because of how I look. I have had to learn my entire life about my wholeness and how to walk in my wholeness in a society that is constantly trying to tell me what I'm not and what I can't do. Baltimore has that same experience. So it makes perfect sense to me that this is the city I will be born in because we have so much in common. Right. Right. So if I see my wholeness, I have no choice but to see Baltimore's wholeness, because look at what I turned out to be a black girl from West Baltimore, public housing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very aware of that responsibility. But also, I know that when little girls see me, when people who have disabilities see me, when people who grew, who are right now growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in see me, they're like, yo, she from around the way. Mm-hmm. If she can be out here being her full, complete self and still making this kind of change in the world, what must I be able to do? And who am I not to do it if she's doing it? Like, that's a real thing. Yep. So it it is it is it's just math to me, you know, that yeah, me plus Baltimore is gonna equal something beautiful. Yes, yes, that was beautiful. You were clearly called, you know, <laughs> by the God and the ancestors and the spirits to to be whole and to mirror wholeness to us. Yeah. And how or what experiences have you had that was like, oh yeah, I gotta do this. Like I know I got hmm. people walking with me and I gotta do this. That's good. So I think there have been different things. Like when I now now that I can put it all together and I see what the movement has become up to this point, mm-hmm. and not just being about weekends that happen and the like the real spiritual work that we're constantly doing. I have to put together all the different things in my life. So ever since I was a little girl, I've had dreams and visions. Mm -hmm. I would dream one of my friends was going to shoot one of my other friends, which did not make sense because they were best friends. Two weeks later, it happened. You know what I mean? People would die. Sometimes people I knew, sometimes people I've never met before. And after they died, I would have a dream of them telling me something that I was supposed to say to somebody. And then I would wake up, I would go tell the person the thing, 
And I would be like, this is going to sound weird. I don't know why the fuck I'm telling you this right now, but Mm -hmm. so-and-so need me to tell you Mm -hmm. that. And then I would say it. And most of those things, I don't even remember. Once I delivered a message, I don't even know what it was I said to the person, but they carry it with them because they will bust out crying. They will go, oh my God, I've been asking for that answer, whatever, right? That has been happening to me my entire life. When I was little, I used to feel like I was a person that like the entire world was watching me live my life. Mm -hmm. This is before reality TV Mm -hmm. or Facebook. You know what I'm saying? So there are things that like have literally manifested in my life that I've been aware of ever since I was little. So then when you add to that, you know, me having one hand and having to navigate the world, you know, with that, going through low self-esteem and coming to a place finally and legitimately not even really until deep into my 30s that I really accept my full wholeness, I think, you know, still hadn't fully accepted or walked in my purpose yet, but it's a, you know, that journey is a process. And so then I learned that my life path is 11 and what that means. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, and I joined the ranks of Jesus and all these other kind of people that were life path (laughs) 11s. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And it takes us a while before we fully walk into our journey because of how much there is for our souls to do. We got to evolve and heal so that we have the wherewithal to take on fully what we are commissioned to do while we're here as 11s, you know? So just like there are things that I've encountered and learned all through my life. And then when my brother, so my brother, David, we called him Corny. He was killed in January of 2007. Mm -hmm. Wasn't the first person I lost to murder, but it was the most personal, Right. right? And so, um, uh, maybe two years later, I was asked to get involved in helping to repeal Maryland's death penalty. They were asking for people who have lost people to murder, but were still against the death penalty. Mm-hmm. So my experience in that, I ended up having the words to shift people, legislators, off of the fence or from being for the death penalty, shifting for not. Because I understood that revenge is a very empty energy. Mm. And it does not do what you think it's going to do. It uses you up and then throws you over in the corner and your person is still never coming back. No matter how much revenge you get. It just drains the shit out of you. It doesn't really feed you at all. Yeah. And you're still left with having to do that healing work of never seeing your person again. Right. So I was able to articulate things like that, that shifted people. And so the death penalty got repealed. So, you know, I've, I've been ever since I was little, I've been learning and experiencing that my voice matters. Mm-hmm. So I don't doubt at this time in my life that what I think matters, my experience matters, my voice matters. When I had a prosthetic when I was little and when I turned seven, I was I had like outgrown it somewhere around there. And my parents came to me and asked do you want to even get refitted for a new one? And I was like, thank you for asking. Cause no, I don't actually. Right. It makes me feel more handicapped and it's actually in my way while I'm trying to do stuff. And yeah. you know, so I've been molded. My parents believed that I was here to change the world. Yes. And so they understood 
if she's here to change the world and that's what we asked for her to be, we have to treat her like she knows what the fuck she talking about, yep. about her own journey. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even as so a child. all of that, st- right? All of that stuff, you know, so, you know, bad experiences. I've, I was, I've been raped twice in my life by friends, you know, like all kinds of experiences. I've had to learn that the most dark, devastating experiences of my life, if I decide to find where the beauty is in them, where the blessing is in them, Mm. it is there all the time Mm. through my suicide attempt and seven days on the psych ward and being raped twice and people, bodies just dropping all around me left and right. If I decided there is beauty here for me, Mm. I would find it. Right? So all of that informs the way I perceive the world, which means it informs the way I move in the world and what I do and don't accept people to say to me or make me believe or whatever, you know? Yeah. Wow. That was, you just dropped so many gems on me just now. I've also been talking ever since I was five months old. Right. Wow. So when your parents say, oh, we're going to have a child that's going to change the world. Oh, it's not a boy. All right. She'll be a girl. And we're going to name it after powerful women. So had I been a boy, I would have been named Malcolm. My first name after Malcolm X, Patrice after Patrice Lumumba. Two men who were assassinated before I was like, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have experienced right. them in my lifetime. Right. But because I was a girl, my parents named me Erica after after Erica Huggins, who was a Black Panther and still does work to this day. And my middle name is Angela after Angela Davis. So instead of being named after people who were assassinated, mm-hmm. I have been named after women that I can watch my yes. entire lifetime. Right. You know what I mean? So being born like that and then. When I started talking at five months old, you know, you when you learn things about yourself, you realize like, oh, yeah, I'm commissioned. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I I was going to need to have a strong mastery of the English language to articulate pain, to articulate joy and hold them in my body at the same time for the Mm. entire city at Mm. times. You know, you need to have good access to language yes. to be that person. Yes. So yeah, I needed to start talking in early, right? Wow. And my mom said, she said something to me when I was five months old and I said, no. And she was thinking, okay, this baby is too young to actually know what she just said to me. So she said whatever it was to me again. And she said, I looked her dead in her eyes and said, no, no. So she was like, okay, not only is she talking, but she's sarcastic. She knows what she's talking about. So by the time I was 10 months old, I was having whole conversations with people. Wow. You are like definition of ancestor returned. I know your parents are looking at you like this is old. (laughs) And here's what's crazy, right? So people tell me, anybody who does energy work on me ever, Reiki Mm -hmm. or doing a reading on me or even like, masseuses who also do Reiki while they're giving me my massage. Everybody that touches my spirit says to me that there are legions of spirit guides and angels and ancestors that show up in the room. Mm -hmm. 
and tell them, say this to her, do that to her, make sure she understands this and that they are loud and forceful. And if the, if the person has any inkling not to do it, that they come stronger. Yes. And my mother told me, she said, I want you to know it's not just your ancestors who walk with you because of how, how hard you ride for the spirit world. All the ancestors ride with you. Yes. And I'm like, well, they would want to because they know I'm crazy. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? They got to be on, on God 24 seven. Cause who knows what I might be out here doing or saying, you know, a murder will happen. And right after a murder happens, it's not really safe to be in that neighborhood. Right. 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 For a lot of reasons. It never dawned on me that it wasn't safe to show up in neighborhoods while right. blood is still on the ground and tempers are still hot. Right. It never dawned on me. Right. And I think it's because I'm aware that I'm always safe. If I'm called to Covered. do something, I'm not going to not be yes. safe. And if I die doing this work, I'm going to be perfectly yes. fine with that because yes. clearly that's what was supposed to happen. Yes. And I'm going to leave here empty. Right. Knowing that I poured out everything I was supposed to do, I'm not going to have any regrets. I'm going to go to my ancestors and I know I'm going to get a job well done. Yes, 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 Ashe. Yeah. I want to talk about how you even got to the place of doing the sacred space rituals. And can you just explain what that is for people who okay. don't know? So a sacred space ritual is Baltimore's way of showing up every single time somebody is murdered in Baltimore. So we believe that we exist before we take a body and we continue to exist after we lay our bodies down. Mm -hmm. So we're honoring that though the person's body has, has, you know, they're no longer using their body, their light being is still a real thing. Mm -hmm. Right, their essence, what they actually are, is still a real thing. So we show up in the space, intentional, to put our life, love-filled bodies in the exact spot where their pain-filled bodies fell, so that they don't, their bodies don't have that experience alone. But also thanking them for their life, mm -hmm. saying to them how much their life matters to us, that we're going to take them with us on our journey, that we're wishing them all joy and abundance in their journey, whatever they're choosing to do now on the other side, asking them to fight for us on the other side. So they're very intentional things. We're pouring light and love into the neighborhood, looking into every crevice and corner, saying, let there be light, let there be love, let there be whatever. We're burning sage and frankincense and whatever else, other kind of medicines, right, mm -hmm. to help to cleanse space and ground energy, you know, and all of that stuff. Because just like somebody showed up to kill the person, people should show up to love the person yes. and to claim it as sacred ground right. so that murder doesn't have the last memory in our neighborhoods. Murder doesn't have the last say in our neighborhoods. And the reason, so I started doing it after the first ceasefire weekend. So when we were planning the first one in August of 2017, we I said, if somebody gets killed, we're going to invite as many people who want to come to the actual murder location. We're going to form a circle and surround the spot where the person's body fell. And we're going to bless the space. Hmm. There will be no feelings of revenge allowed in that space. Right. Because there's enough toxic energy in a murder location. Right. A murder happened. 
right? So we're there to show up with something different. Grief is okay. Sadness is okay, you know? Right. But love, joy, memories of the person, whatever, right? That's what we showed up to do. And it dawned on me to do that because when my brother was killed in 2007, after that, I watched my mother purposely never go anywhere near that block. If she had to drive back into that neighborhood, she made sure she didn't go that way. Right. Right. And so it dawned on me one day, it's because she can feel the darkness in that space. Right. The negative darkness, because we know that darkness can be a beautiful part of yes. our evolution sometimes. Right. Yes. But the, the pieces of darkness that we are like the toxic parts, mm-hmm. she must can feel that because she lost her first son in this block. Of course. So just going anywhere near it, she feels it as she starts to approach it. She's not going back there. So what must need to happen in those spaces to cleanse that energy so that it feels safe for people? That's what made me decide, oh, we're going to do that if somebody gets killed during a ceasefire. And after that first weekend, when I when we decided, oh, we're going to do it now every three months. And so the next ceasefire weekend was going to happen the first weekend in November, somewhere in October. My birthday is October 9th. So, you know, you have all kinds of realizations around your own new year. Right. (laughs) So somewhere in October, I was like, oh, we're not supposed to just do it during ceasefire weekends because that means these are these toxic holes all over our city that are portals for negativity. Mm. So we got to go seal all of these spaces with love and light because that's what our city deserves. And so I told everybody after the November ceasefire, I'm going to start showing up at every location where somebody gets killed and y'all can join me if y'all want to. And what's crazy, right? So that's the part of like, there's no way in the world I could have known that I was going to start doing that. Right. And in doing it, I can feel. So if I'm driving to a space somewhere between 10 and five minutes out from the space, Sometimes I get, I don't even know what to call it, but butterflies in my chest and my stomach, mm-hmm. right? And when that happens, it, I've learned, because the first time it happened, I was eight minutes away from the space. And I was like, why is it this? You know, why do I feel so shaken on the inside as I'm going to this space? And when I showed up, it was the first time that blood was still on the Mm -hmm. ground and it was cold outside. And so it had congealed. Blood is like a gel when it freezes. I didn't know. I have learned so much about what happens when murder Mm -hmm. happens on the streets. So one thing is that blood is very stubborn. And so even when they show up to wash it away, very often, if it's too hot or too cold, it's just... It's stubborn because it's life energy, right? So it it doesn't just go away easily because life is really eternal. And so so I've learned, just like my mother could feel when she was approaching my brother's spot, Mm. I have developed this ability to feel when I'm about to go into a spot that's going to rock me a little bit. You know what I mean? The preparation, the mercy, all of that stuff, the grace, 
that we are given and doing this spiritual work and all the miracles that we see happen, the siblings that happen to show up, the uncle that happened to be riding down the street while with it. It was a double shooting and one person died and one person survived. And when we show up to do the spot, the other person who survived happens to show up and tell us, oh my God, that was me. You know what I mean? You can't explain that shit away. You got to say, oh, yeah, miracles are going to happen in the middle of the tragedy. Right. Right. That is, I'm getting so, I'm emotional anyway, but I'm just like, this is so impact. This isn't something that you grow up and be like, one day I'm going to go to every spot. Like, this is something that (laughs) has to be put on your life to do. It's just amazing to witness you literally go to every single spot that somebody has been murdered in Baltimore. I know you know that it's impactful, but I feel like I just have to keep saying like, thank you. Thank you. Because as somebody who also has dreams, um, sees people mm. being murdered, gets visited by people who were murdered, um, and and still sees some of the spirits around who haven't fully transitioned or whatever, just from mm-hmm. centuries old, from back to slavery mm. time, is the fact that you are carrying something so heavy is like, it's amazing, it's powerful, it's almost so incredible that I can't fully conceptualize what you're doing. But Me either, girl. Like, I'm like, how? <laughs> I don't, and I, I, I love that people keep telling me that it's impactful because yes. I think when you are the one doing it, you are protected from really knowing mm-hmm. how impactful it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it protect protects us from becoming too arrogant or ego centered yes. in the work. That I really don't have a real understanding of how impactful it is. Right. Because that's not what I'm supposed to be focused on, really. Right. I'm supposed to be present in every step of it, you know. Um, and so there are times when it's important to step back and realize, like, holy shit, is that what this look like that I'm doing? No, what the people be zapping out when they meet me. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But I don't stay in that space because you go back to doing the work. So I'm right. back with my head down, like, in the moment. Right. Doing it. Right. So, but I, so I, but I need to hear it sometimes because I'm human and I need that encouragement. Um, there are days that, you know, there's, there are times when like, so for a lot of 2019, we didn't go to a lot of the spaces because we were just spiritually exhausted, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think I know for myself, I didn't understand that what I called self-care was not anywhere near conducive for facing murder the way that I do, right? And so I had to change my whole way of being to give me the wherewithal to consistently show up every time and to show up with joy in my heart every time. To show up, I can't wait to talk to this new ancestor every time. Like, yeah, so the and it is, it's still an evolution and a journey for me. So when people are like, well, how do you do it? The short answer is I have a Harriet Tubman spirit in me. And what I mean by that is people thought she was crazy all the time. Yes. She always said, I really don't give a fuck what you think I'm supposed to be doing. God said, turn left. So we turn it left. God said, go th- walk through the river that we normally go around. So we walking through the river this time. I don't have to know why. 
God said, do it, so I'm doing it. That is the way that I function. I don't know why I'm doing things all the time or why not to do things all the time. I'm giving that answer later every time. Right. But a lot of times, I, and I have, I've had to learn, I don't need to know why. Right. Right. That was a process. Because mm-hmm. I love to know why. Like, Same. what you mean I can't know? I need to know. Right. Right. <laughs> but that's not how this works. So I'm like, oh, I always had to need. What I know is I'm not supposed to do it. Why I'm supposed to do it. That's enough. Right. So I function that way. And in that, I, I've evolved, you know, so the things I do in the space has evolved. Mm-hmm. The things that I do when I'm not in the space to take care of myself before and after has evolved. Mm-hmm. How I view myself, I've spent most of them up until this birthday. So I just turned 48 in October. All before that, my entire adult life, people have heard me say, I hate being in human form. I cannot stand it. This is some straight bullshit. I'm not doing this again. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to make sure I don't have to do this shit again, but I'm You're going doing to do it. it. And it's a big part of the reason why doing it. I'm like, oh, I need to be my full greatness, my full yes. highest vision of myself, my full whatever. I need to do all of that while I'm here so that I don't feel a need to come back in human form because I'm very aware I don't want to come back in <laughs> Right. And if I have to come back, I'm going to be some unseen shit like the yeah. wind or vibration or come some on. shit like that. I'm very clear about that. Right. So, but I had to learn that me perceiving it that way and saying that made me not appreciate that I'm a three-part being. Mm -hmm. It made me only honor my spirit and my mind and to say, fuck my body. Mm -hmm. My body is inconsequential. My body doesn't matter. It's a piece of shit anyway. It's really an illusion. It's not the real me. It's just a shell, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Right? True things, but not with the right perception or what it is. And so, and I've just fully come to understand that if you don't honor all three parts of what you are as a being, you can't fully show up the way you want to. And I can't just nurture my spirit and my mind and neglect my body or call my body inconsequential, but also admit that I had a really negative perception about my life. So while I'm being celebrated and people gave me, gave me a car for free. Yes. In that bitch for me. Customized yes. it. Right. I'm winning awards left and right from everybody that think about giving somebody an award. Oh, we should give it to Hacker Bridge for it. Right. <laughs> All of that is happening, and I kept being confused about why I'm not as excited and happy mm. as everybody else is. And then that caused guilt and shame, right? So it started dawning on me, oh, it's because I don't think that I'm that great. So when people celebrate me, there's something inside me that's like, well, this thing that's happening to me must not be that big of a deal because I'm not that big of a deal. So I couldn't get as excited about things that were happening as I should have. Yep. Right? So that was one step. So I started putting stuff on my wall that says, I am Erica Bridgeford and I am the shit. Yes. Great. And I am magnificent. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it started with stuff like that a few years ago, but it led me to now going, oh, 
it means I don't like my life mm. because I think my body is inconsequential and this being in human form is some bullshit. So I, I made a decision. I'm not saying that anymore. I'm still not coming back in human form. Let's be right. clear. <laughs> However, <laughs> I perceive it differently. Like, Life is a bitch, but she my bitch. Okay. I'm going to take a walk with her. I'm a data. I'm a lover. Yes. No matter what happened, I'm going to find the beauty in her. Yes. We walk in this shit hand in hand. I love my life. Mm. And so it changed. So by between August and my birthday, I had lost 20 pounds because I was eating differently. I was drinking all the water. My skin looked like I got foundation on it all the time. Because I'm just taking better care of myself, my body, because I honor my body with the same reverence. Mm -hmm. Just because it's a temporary thing doesn't mean I'm not supposed to honor it. Right. 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 Now I hold my body in the same esteem as I hold my mind and my spirit. So my I'm functioning more as a full being Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. But that took me 48 years to understand. Yeah, I resonate so much with so much of what you're saying and feeling like I don't understand why y'all doing all this for me, but thanks. I don't understand. <laughs> so it's, I'm glad to know it's a journey. Maybe I will get it when I'm 48. It's <laughs> a journey because, right, because I'm going to tell you what's hard for people like us too. We know so many spiritual things. And so we're hard on ourselves when we're not applying all of the things that we know. I know better than this. Why the fuck am yeah. I still thinking about it this way and responding we're so hard on ourselves instead of understanding how to really be grateful for the miracle of time that's it right because we know time doesn't exist in the spiritual realm but we're also in a physical realm where time is a tool right for our unfolding and our becoming and our evolving and our rising and all of that stuff yeah. And so like, that's also a huge thing to do is like, remember to have com- self-compassion. You know, yes. I got to a place where I was like, when I started being like, what well, I know, why am I still doing this? I know better. I tell other people all the time. Why am I still like that? Right. So self-compassion says, okay, but given who you are and everything you've been through, does it make sense that you still Think this way and act that way. The answer is always yes. It yes. Is yes. <laughs> and <Yep>. then, <laughs> so then I get patient, right? Yeah. Like, oh, well, it makes sense for me to be here. So although this is something I want to evolve out of, I'm going to love myself still while I'm in it. Fully, in the process. And I'm going to yeah. be patient because what I know for a fact is because I want to be something different. I'm calling to me all of the situations and circumstances that are going to help purge this thing out of me. Yeah. Yeah, and I won't always be this way. That part. Woo! Thank you. I want to know, as we are closing out, what do you think spiritual healing can look like for people in Baltimore? I mean, granted, for people everywhere, but specifically here, what does it mean for the city to spiritually? heal and I know everybody's not on the same level of burning stuff and doing all that and understanding how what is a way that we can connect or do the healing work with with everybody yeah so the thing that comes immediately to my mind and just hearing you ask that question I don't know like all the different 
places in the diaspora that people from Baltimore specifically come from. Mm. But I bet it's some serious shit. Just because, right, when you know what has happened to Baltimore, Baltimore was one of the places in the country immediately after chattel slavery ended. People in Baltimore started being great immediately. Like they, like we were like, oh, bitch. Oh, okay. I'm going to be a lawyer and a doctor and I'm, we going to own this whole neighborhood yes. and we going, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so it was very intentional. That was jarring for a system of the myth of white supremacy. Yes. But we just set y'all free and y'all out here showing off with y'all razzle dazzle and shit. Mm-hmm. That was something that was in us. Right. And a lot has been intentionally done to have make us have amnesia about yes. about who, what we actually have in our fiber, in the fabric of who we are yep. in Baltimore. A lot continues to be done from lead poisoning to mm-hmm. blight to <laughs> redlining to nowhere can you find fresh fruits and vegetables in your neighborhood to the education like you can all of it chicken box spots and liquor stores on every neighborhood and Mm -hmm. like all of it a lot has been done and continues to be done to our city to perpetuate a fake narrative about who we are and our birthright what we deserve yeah right so for me, our healing looks like every fucking opportunity that you had to remind a Baltimorean mm. of their life and their possibility and that they deserve to manifest whatever their highest vision of their self is. Yeah. I don't care what's happening to you or around you. It never changes the fact that you are worthy. Right. Just because people trying to hide your worth from you don't mean your worth is not always waiting for you like shit. Like, so our healing to me looks like we can't call ourselves be more murder lane. Mm. We feed into a false narrative about ourselves. Right. We're taking pride in the wrong things. We're right for looking for things to shine and floss and stunt on everybody about. Baltimore is very much like a... We got to be the dopest. We going to yes. be the flyest. Everybody, you want to be like us. We starting on all of y'all. We stepping yes. on all y'all next. We <laughs> got that in us. We but sometimes we misinterpret how to use it. And so right. we use it because we are so oppressed. We feel that yearning in ourselves. And so we, you know, like it sh- we manifest it sometimes in toxic ways, mm. right? Because we haven't been taught and shown and the narratives about who we are are so toxic that we rage against that machine sometimes in ways that's not good for our, who we really are to manifest, you know? Right. So any little thing that you that. do to be a mirror for somebody's light in Baltimore, for somebody's worth in Baltimore, you are contributing to our awakening. I love that. I love that. And it's, it, it is small, but it's, it's not, you know, it's that's not. how movements get started. Just as, as one person saying something yeah. to another person, to another yeah. person. That's it's how thing. oppression happens. It's right. one person thinking it and then saying it and making a law and a policy to enforce it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And that's then it. narratives and media and imagery 
to keep it going. So we got to do exactly the same thing Mm -hmm. with our words, right? About life and celebrating life and being peaceful and being great. And, And it's why in real life it's why Baltimore ceasefire as a movement is one of the dopest, like from a visual standpoint, we purposely change the logo every single ceasefire weekend. It's Baltimore. We not wearing the same thing we wore last ceasefire. We got to stun on y'all this time again. Right. You don't see this shit coming. Right. 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 Our logo, even the main logo, that red, black, and white, that shit, people see those t-shirts in the street and be like, where can I get that, honey? Give me that t-. We know it's Baltimore. You got to, if you're not flossing, and I don't care how good your work is, if it's, <laughs> if it don't have a certain kind of charisma to it. Yes. Baltimoreans going kind of like not pay attention to. But when you grab people like, yo, our new t-shirts, you can match with your Jordans. (laughs) You can We got this bright ass pink. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We got this bright ass pink, this neon purple. We got this. Dragon. (laughs) That you can match with however you dye your head next month, Baltimore girls. Right. We know that's, we Baltimore, we understand. Right. We're going right. to give y'all the right kind of stuff to floss and stunt on the world with. And in can. real life, the entire world descended on Baltimore during that first ceasefire. There mm-hmm. are articles about this movement that are in languages we can't read. Wow. Right. Still now, we turn down interviews from people trying to tell stories about mm-hmm. Baltimore and want to include us in it. Because people still want to tell negative stories about Baltimore and then say, but there's this one good thing happening. And we like, fuck that. We're not participating in that right. interview. Like, we're not the only good thing happening. So come back to me when you got a different story you want to tell about mm. Baltimore, you know. But my point is, we still stunt on this whole world. Yeah, The whole world still looks to Baltimore like, what are they doing? What are they saying? How are they healing? It's true. It's true. And we're a city that wants healing and is open Absolutely. to healing Absolutely. in all forms yes and yeah period <laughs> we find that out every time we are out blessing murder spaces because mm-hmm. people just smell sage in their neighborhood or they see some smoke they jump out of their cars yeah they run out of their houses yep. can you come in and smudge my whole house they don't care that the, we go, they know we're going to walk in and sometimes see that their house look a mess on the inside. Mm-hmm. They don't give a they fuck. Care. Yep. Come in here and give me all that smoke. Yes. That's Lines true. of de- de- corner boys. Yep. Hand me the sage when y'all done. Yep. We gone. They still walking through the neighborhood with the sage. Yeah. Corner boys. Yeah. I'm on Emerson and Pulaski at a red light. A truck pulls up beside me, all the windows tinted. They roll the windows down. Nothing but a bunch of weed smoke come flying out the car. Mm-hmm. Somebody go, yo, that is the ceasefire, bitch. I told you that. Ain't you the ceasefire, bitch? I'm sorry. I don't mean no disrespect, but ain't you her? I'm dying <laughs> laughing. I need shit. I want a t-shirt that say that ceasefire, bitch. I swear to God, just because of what these dudes did for me that day. Ain't you high? I was like, yeah, I'm high. I told you, yo. And then the whole car, keep doing what you're doing, shorty. We need you out here. I don't yep. give a fuck who say this work not working. Yep. They the people I listen to. Yep. Right? 
So people yeah. want. They do. Even if they think what we're doing is not fully working as much as they want, they don't want us to stop. Yep. I will be the worst headline in Baltimore history if I decide to stop doing this work. That will be a news cycle for at least two weeks. Yes. 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 And that's so true because um, even when I was just me, my friend Coco was just doing readings um, in the city. Everybody, corner boys, who Girl, was we, like, y'all doing When tab, Ellen G told doing? me y'all was doing that, I said, they doing what? They just posted up on the corner and just doing readings for people? Just sitting there like, if you want to come over here, yeah. you can come. That's, that's why people can't can. tell me, oh, Baltimore, just, they don't care. Just throw the whole city in a chair. You don't know what the fuck you talking about. With all right. due respect, just because you see our hopelessness, if that's all you see, you clearly don't know us. Right. Right. Because it's Baltimore is a real recognized, real kind of place. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. So you show up with some good energy and it's going to be people flocking yes. to get it. So from all of that, now we got some new sacred space ritual t-shirts and hoodies on the front. It say, come get the smoke. Yes. <laughs> With a sage bundle on I it. I need to grab one. Going all up the t-shirt, bitch. Because I the people have one. spoken. Yes. For three years, they have shown us that when we show up, they want the smoke. Yes. Can't tell that, me my city ain't love. It's no listen, love like Baltimore love. It's not. It's not. I love my city. I'm just like you. You cannot disrespect the city. Anywhere near me. Anywhere no. near me. No, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the mayor. I don't care. Don't call me and ask me what's my response to some dumb shit the mayor just said about Baltimore. (laughs) Right. Because you're going to get a quote. (laughs) You're going to get a quote. You're going to get some quotes. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Erica. Can you tell people how they can find you, link up with you, they want to buy a shirt? Give us the things. Yeah, so Baltimore Ceasefire 365. You can find BaltimoreCeasefire.com, Baltimore Ceasefire on Instagram, Baltimore Ceasefire on Facebook. It's Be More Ceasefire on Twitter. We're not as active on Twitter, but we a lot of times share the Instagram stuff to Twitter. Okay. Um. And then, and there's a contact page on our website. So if you can send us an email, if you'd like to get on our listserv, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can see how to get involved on, on, on the website. Cool. Um, my personal stuff is Erica Wonder Voice on Instagram. My name is spelled E-R-R-I-C-K-A. So all one word, Erica Wonder Voice. On Facebook, I'm Erica Bridgeford. And my page is public, so anybody can. I'm at 5,000 friends, but if you still send me a request, it makes you automatically follow me. And you can always see my stuff because it's public. Um, The Baltimore Community Mediation Center, same name on Facebook, communitymediation.org website, where you can request mediation. You can ask how to be a volunteer, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are such an inspiration. I'm definitely speaking so much blessings and abundance over I you. I appreciate it. And it has been a blessing to me to meet you, you know, and I am grateful to Edwin and to my brother and any of our other people on the other side who was like, you know what we need to do? Make sure they're in the same place <laughs> at the same time. Yep. You know what I mean? Yes. So I'm very grateful about me that. Too. Um, me too. 
So yeah, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Thank y'all for tuning in. Bye, Erica. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that episode with Erica. If you would like to reach out to me, you can hit me up on my website, www.itsjujubae. It's jujubae.com. You can also hit me up on the social medias on Instagram at it's jujubae and also at a little juju podcast. And then you can also find me on twitter where i'm not talking about spiritual shit typically at it's juju bay and that is pretty much it don't forget to sign up for my hoodoo class on november 19th i think it is i will have the link to that i appreciate y'all love y'all talk to you next week and remember all you need is a little juju later Manifested everything, give me props I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top My spirit's surrounded so I'll never drop, drop